0: State of
1: Brooklyn, Neil Diamond. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
2: This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
3: This is the best week in the year where I'm so fired up I could barely sleep last night. Neil Diamond Week on the Wisco Sports Show is its incredible. It's like Christmas. It's like Thanksgiving. It's like the 4th of July. It's actually more American than the 4th of July. We talk about sports um, and we listen to Neil Diamond. It's really not that complicated. (laughs) I was going to explain how this works. I guess that's all it is. We do what we normally do. We talk about Wisconsin sports and we we listen to Neil. I listened to the entire two-disc set of Hot August Night today. Oh, just fantastic. Fantastic. 1972, Greek theater in L.A., vibes pristine. The energy is just a 10 out of 10. I love Neil Diamond Week. Uh, we do this every year. It's the first week of April. Uh, we're going to have Evo on this week. Our friend Bart Winkler, who is a diehard Neil Diamond fan, is going to join us on Wednesday. Maybe we'll have to get Ben Kenny on this week just to talk about college basketball. Or I'll tell him we're going to talk about college basketball. And I know Ben doesn't listen to music. And I'm just going to ask him about Neil Diamond. I'll be like, dude, why the hell did you have me on? I have nothing to add. <laughs> this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. It's really not that complicated. This is the stupidest thing. Uh, We just do what we normally do. We talk about the same sports and the same teams we would normally talk about, except we listen to Neil Diamond here and there. So this is really just all one huge stupid inside joke. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an excellent weekend. There was so much that happened this weekend. I constantly had two screens going. Uh, Even if if it was something I knew we weren't going to talk about on the show, like WrestleMania was this weekend. We're not going to talk about that because I don't know anything about wrestling, but I felt I couldn't miss it, right? So I, I felt... A little bit like I couldn't go out and do anything this weekend. Now I didn't go out and do anything because I had nothing to do. Uh, I just <laughs> I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to stay home. But there's so much to talk about. We're going to talk about the Bucks today. I want to talk a little bit about the NBA MVP race. Not because I want to grandstand for Giannis and say that the MVP should be Giannis. That's not why. I just I don't really like what the MVP discussion is becoming. I I, I could get over it last year. Last year was a weird year. But we're doing it again this year. Now it's two years in a row, and I just don't really like what the MVP race is becoming. So we're going to talk about that in 15 minutes. We're going to talk about the Final Four. I'm going to do my best. I was going to try to have one big overarching take and rant about college basketball in the Final Four and Duke, and I I couldn't really come up with one. But I did come up with, like, five or six little things that I want to talk about. So we're going to kind of do a rapid-fire thing with college basketball. And I'm sure some of you who watch college basketball more closely – and follow these teams in the sport more closely, you can probably add something to this discussion that I can't. Uh, And we're going to do that at 4.30. So if you're a college basketball diehard and and you want to add to that, please, I'd love to have you. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. We're going to do some NFL stuff in the second half of the show. I want to talk Packers, Vikings, Bears. Some win totals are crystallizing. So if you go to FanDuel Sportsbook or DraftKings or Barstool or wherever you would bet, if it's legal to bet in Wisconsin, which it's not, so no no betting here if there's any any law enforcement people listening. Uh, but I want to look at the win totals and just use that as a starting point to discuss how we're feeling about the Packers after this offseason. I know we still have the draft, but rookies, I don't think make or break teams for the most part. So the Packers, the Vikings, and Bears, I want to talk about those three teams uh, going into the draft. And we have a little bit more than three weeks. The draft was four months away on Thursday so we'll do that in the second half of the show I also want to talk about Kevin Durant and I have a Neil Diamond analogy that I want to make which is going to be really fitting today I want to start with the Bucks they played yesterday they played the Mavericks that's what I know best I know we had Kansas versus Nova and Duke UNC and that was awesome that was really fun to watch even though it wasn't my main squeeze it's not my main sport I sat down and I enjoyed it Kevin Durant went for 55 on Saturday night Giannis Luka yesterday the Lakers are cooked and LeBron sat on the bench for it, which we're not going to talk about today, but I just find really rich. McAfee was awesome. And Vince McMahon got in the ring. I don't really know what any of it means, but even I enjoyed watching it, and I'm not really a wrestling fan. So there was a ton going on, but I do want to start with the Bucs because that's what I know best. If you want WWE talk, there's probably a, a better place where you can get it. Bucks Mavericks is the ABC matinee yesterday. It was an awesome game, even though our Bucks lost. They lost 118-112. They just couldn't get the wheels off the runway in the fourth quarter. It was a game of runs, as all basketball games are. Shocker. But the Mavericks made their runs. The Bucks made theirs. The Bucs were up 10. The Mavericks were up 10, and it was going back and forth. And then when it seemed like the footing was even in the fourth quarter, the Mavericks got the, got the train going. They were going down the tracks, and the Bucs were just kind of stuck in neutral. And I was listening this morning to the Bill Simmons pod, and I was listening and reading to some of my favorite NBA people. And the reaction to yesterday's game, the Bucs lost, really bummed me out. I hated it. Basically, the reaction that I heard and what I read and what I saw um, was basically this. Well, I was so confident in the Bucks after they beat the Sixers and the Nets last week. Uh, after yesterday, I don't know. I'm not so sure now. What? As if those huge wins over Eastern Conference rivals last week now don't count because they lost to Dallas, right? I, I hate that line of thinking. Well, that win over the Sixers was great and they did beat the Nets in overtime after Chris Middleton got thrown out, but now after the Mavericks lost yesterday, that all goes down the tubes. No, no, let's not think that way. No, no, no. I would much rather, first of all, have great games against the Sixers and the Nets, two teams that the Bucs almost assuredly, they are got to face one of them, right? The Bucs are for sure going to face either the Sixers or the Nets, maybe both in the playoffs. I'd rather have a good feel for those teams, rather have a good handle on those teams than the Mavericks, and I would have loved for Giannis to win that game and the Bucs to win that game. For the sake of the MVP race, which we're gonna talk about in a little bit, because Giannis actually, after last week, put himself in a half decent position. If he goes for 40 yesterday and the Bucks win on a primetime game, well then maybe. I also, it's not that I don't care about yesterday's game. I do, but I'd rather beat the Sixers, I'd rather beat the Nets, and it's a noon game, and noon games are just kind of weird, and Giannis always talks about how he doesn't get his nap. I'm just I'm not losing sleep over yesterday's game. In my opinion, here's what happened yesterday afternoon. Luca was brilliant. Middleton was off. Jumper wasn't falling. And Bud didn't coach his best game. If Luca is a little worse, or Middleton is a little better, or Bud maybe pushes one or two buttons a little differently, the Bucks could have easily won that game yesterday. This should not turn into a referendum on Milwaukee. Not to mention, at a critical point in the fourth quarter, Dwight Powell gets a phantom and one call, and Luca gets three free throws. Okay, Drew grazed him on the hair, but come on. Great game between two MVPs, and we're going to call that, like, that's that's just rather lame. My point is, this game was not noisy, but it could have gone either way, and I'm not going to freak out about it. The Mavs did some really good things defensively, blitzed Giannis every time he had the ball, blitzed Chris every time he got the ball, and the rest of the team couldn't hit shots, especially late, especially late in the game. Now Drew Holiday hit some threes, but in the fourth quarter, nobody was getting the shot to fall. It was frustrating. Again, Like they just couldn't get the plane off the runway. They had good looks. They had chances. But they just couldn't get the wheels turning. And again, the most important part of yesterday's game, Luka Doncic is really, really, really good. It's unreal. And I want to talk about more on that later in the show. The Bucks saw Embiid, Kevin Durant, and Luka over the last six days. I'll say two and one against that group is okay. I'll, I'll live with that. I'll live with that. And like I said, we're going to talk more about Luca and Kevin Durant at 530. Actually, I want to compare the two. Since the beginning of this Bucs season, I've tried to spot different ways that this team has changed, right? This team won a championship a couple of months ago. That'll that'll change a team. That'll change a man. That'll change a player, change a coach. That'll change fans. I think we watch this team differently, right? Think of when, uh, (laughs) really think back to college, uh, or, or maybe when you were in your 20s and one of your friends goes to Europe for some reason. Maybe they study abroad. Or maybe they take a gap year. It's kind of a hip thing to do. Maybe they go backpacking. And they come back and they won't stop talking about it. I'm, I've am i changed. Oh, trust me. Once you see Amsterdam, you'll never be the same. It's like, okay, you went and stayed. Like, can we calm down a little bit? Oh, now that I've been to Italy, and everything is different. The world is open. Uh, yeah, Italy, Italy's nice. I've never been, but I would, I would imagine that's a transformative experience yeah think think about think about that because we all know that person who went abroad and never stopped talking about it now think of that but with the bucks right once you win a title things change your mindset changes your approach changes every everything changes so all throughout the season i've been trying to spot and write down differences that i've noticed between the pre-title bucks and the post-title bucks So I'll be watching a game and think, ooh, that's interesting. I I don't know if I've ever seen that with this team before. I I think that's something that changed once they won the title, right? A, A change in mindset or a change in physical play. Something that I said as the season was starting, six months ago now, I said, hey, watch Pat Connaughton this year. Because Pat Connaughton had an unbelievable run in the playoffs, shooting the basketball, hit a lot of big threes. And once you do that, your confidence is basically unbreakable i I think of fred van vliet and what he did with the raptors in 2018 2019 i don't think at the time fred van vliet was that good but the timing of his success and his blow up over that playoff run fred van vliet walks into that next season like okay well i'm one of the best three-point shooters in the league and half of shooting the three is confidence swagger it's like watch pat Connaughton this year well he's been a changed player right post 2016 2017 which is when he averaged eight minutes a game. It jumped to 18 minutes a game in 2017, 2018, got to Milwaukee the next year. So let's look at the portion of his career since he's actually started playing substantial minutes, which is the year before he got to Milwaukee. These are his three-point percentages since becoming a buck. 2018, 33%. 2019, 33%. 2020, 37%. 2021, 39.7%. He's just under 40% this year, the best in his career, and he's attempting way more three-point shots. He's attempted 358 threes this season. His previous high was 272, and he's missed time with a broken wrist, and there's still four games left. Now, the league gets more three-point heavy every year, but you get my point. He's shooting more threes. He's making more threes. That run in the playoffs for Pat Connaughton did something to the way he was wired, and he's a better player for it. In yesterday's game, I'm thinking... As I watch, and this team acts like a title team. They behave like a title team. And I wrote this down at halftime. I had my laptop out, and I'm thinking, okay, Bucks, Bucks Mavericks, we can start the show with this tomorrow. And the thing that I wrote down in my notes is this team acts like a title team. They're comfortable. They're relaxed. They don't freak out. They don't get rattled. A few times in yesterday's game, Bucks fall down seven to ten points somewhere in that neighborhood. And the game maybe starts to feel like it's getting away. Ooh, you're down eight. If you give up a three, you're down 11. You got to take a timeout, right? When the game starts to slip, or it feels like it starts to slip, seven to 10 points, somewhere in there, they looked so comfortable. They'd get down eight or nine points. They'd be like, all right, all we got to do is hit a three, uh, get a Giannis breakaway dunk, and then hit another jumper, and we're right there. And that's exactly how the game worked. They looked so comfortable, and they never got tight. Reminds me of the Warriors, When the Warriors were at their peak and they were humming on a season-by-season basis, even in years where they weren't winning titles, but they had that makeup and that attitude of a title team, they'd get down 10 points and they just never really were phased because they knew that they were capable of going on an 11-0 run like that. We have the firepower. We have the shooting, right? We we have the experience. We have the talent. Even if we fall down 10 points, hey, relax. We can uncork a 15-0 run at any point, and they would all the time. And the Bucks seemingly have that understanding as well. There were seven lead changes yesterday. Milwaukee was up 10 to start the second quarter. Then they were down eight early in the third quarter. And then later in the third quarter, they were up five. Back and forth, a lot of lead changes. And anytime the Mavericks would start to go on a little run, Bucks would stay calm and they'd reel the game right back in. And then they'd go on their little run. And then the Mavericks would come back and go on their little run. Both teams were very, very comfortable, but especially the Bucks yesterday. Giannis in the third quarter, almost, almost very clearly when you watched the third quarter, he's like, okay, Luka's doing his thing. It's time for me to do mine. I'm going to do a little more. I'm going to start attempting more shots. I'm going to start to take over this game, and he did in that third quarter. Drew Holiday ramped up his defense in the third quarter. He really ratcheted up his intensity level. It's like they knew when to push down on the gas when to not slam on the break and freak out. They just, they just have a good feel for the game. And I know they didn't win yesterday, right? Bud probably could have been a little bit better. Chris Middleton needs to shoot better. They didn't really have a great answer for Luka. And there might not be a great answer for Luka when Luka's doing his thing. But I will compliment the Bucks after yesterday's game. Great feel for the game, what buttons they need to push and when they need to push those buttons. And that's how you know you're good at something. Right, like I graduated college a couple of years ago, so I think of school, right? Semester's very long. So if you have an assignment in September and it doesn't go very well, don't freak out. Don't drop other classes because you're struggling. You got months. Calm down. Calm down. You go to office hours, say hey to the professor. You do a little brown nosing. You got six or seven big assignments left. Calm down. Calm down. If you fall behind eight or nine points at home on Sunday afternoon to Luca and the Mavs, Relax. And the Bucs never seemed unrelaxed yesterday. They were very comfortable. They had a great feel for the game. And even though it didn't work out for them in the end, I think if they play that game three times, five times, seven times, I, I like my Bucks' chances in a series against a team like Luka and Dallas. And that's really the point right now, isn't it? And again, they beat the Sixers and the Nets last week. And I don't want to discount what we've seen over the last six or seven days just because the Bucs really weren't able to finish yesterday. And again, Luka is brilliant. And I want to talk more about Luka in the second half of the show. In fact, I want to compare Luka and Kevin Durant. Two opponents that the Bucs have just seen. I know that Clippers game was on Friday, but no one played, so let's not count that. They played Kevin Durant on Thursday. They played Luka yesterday. Both are brilliant. I want to compare how they're brilliant. uh, Because I actually think one is a little bit of a tougher assignment than the other. Talking about Kevin Durant and Luka. I'll throw a Neil Diamond analogy in there. It's Neil Diamond week on the Wisco Sports Show, so we're just going to do what we normally do, talk about sports, but we're going to... We're going to listen to Neil Diamond. It's really quite stupid, isn't it? Let's take a break. I want to talk about the MVP race, of which Giannis is a legit contender. I don't like how we're approaching the MVP race, and we can talk about that next on the Wisco Sports Show.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. (laughs)
3: Cisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. It's Neil Diamond Week, um, which just means we're going to listen to Neil Diamond. Although an all-star slate of guests this week, not new guests. It just turns out that the guests we have on this show routinely are awesome and like Neil Diamond because they're awesome. Evo's going to join us at some point this week, and I think I have convinced him to do. (laughs) I think I've convinced him to do a Neil Diamond song draft. We're not going to make it like fifteen minutes, but I want to do like five minutes. Where we take Sweet Caroline out of the group And then we both draft like our favorite five songs And see what we end up with So we might do that tomorrow Maybe Thursday, Friday, I don't know Bart Winkler is going to be here on Wednesday And I don't want to spoil But basically what I'm going to do is ask Bart Wisconsin sports questions And he is going to answer me Correctly With Neil Diamond lyrics Is what he has promised us So I'm very excited, that's coming up on Wednesday Until then we're just going to talk about what we would normally talk about uh, But listen to Neil Diamond it's really it's really not that complicated so you can have me during the show if you'd like at wisco grant give me a text 608-796-2558 i'm going to open up the phones for calls here in about 10 minutes because we're going to talk about college basketball and i have some little things that i want to talk about and ask you about and rant about but i know i am far from the biggest college basketball diehard in this group Uh, So I'll get the conversation started, but I would love to hear from you. Duke, uh, North Carolina on Saturday night, Villanova, Kansas. Kansas just played awesome. So we have North Carolina and Kansas tonight. I don't really have a rooting interest. I didn't even really have a rooting interest in seeing Duke lose. I just, I don't know. Having Duke in a big game helps because it's a big brand and people either love him or hate him. And that just makes it interesting uh, now that they're out. I'm going to watch tonight, but I'm certainly not going to be yelling at my TV. I want to talk about the NBA for 10 more minutes. I want to talk about the MVP. I don't like what we're doing, the way we talk about the MVP race, the way we're handling the MVP race. Let me make this clear. I'm not campaigning for Giannis here. That's not what I'm doing. The MVP is a side quest for Giannis at this point. And I'm not assigning that to him. He's said as much. I'm going to read you this quote. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This was Sam Amick's piece in The Athletic. He interviewed him in Sacramento. Quote, I want another championship. You know, like the joy that I felt when I won the MVP was unbelievable. I was with my family. I wish my dad was there. That was an unbelievable feeling and I was grateful. But the joy that I felt when I won a championship, there's no comparing. There's no comparing an MVP to the joy of being on the bus and seeing 200,000 people celebrating. White, black, Hispanic, whatever the case may be. Everybody was celebrating and you're giving everybody that joy. There were people that have never seen a championship for 50 years. They'd say, the last time I saw a championship, I was two years old. You know, that's a different type of joy. It's not just me being able to win the award. The whole city won an award. That's what I want. And hopefully God can bless me and give me that. I'll do whatever I can to do it. I like hearing that from my guy. I really like hearing that from my guy. Giannis is not obsessed with winning MVPs. I'm not obsessed with hoping that he wins MVPs. This is not me being a Bucks homer. This is me being a fan of the association, the NBA. It's my favorite league. And I don't like the MVP race this year because I feel like we're going to make Jokic a back-to-back MVP. And I I mean, really? We're, we're really going to do this. We're really going to make Nikola Jokic a back-to-back MVP. I like Jokic. He's a treat to watch. I don't know that I've ever seen a player quite like him. He's a true center that passes and plays point guard. Now, Magic Johnson was 6'9", or 6'10", or however tall he was, and he was a big who played point guard, and I guess that's similar, like a big that can pass and run the offense, but Jokic plays the center position. He is a center who passes, and the offense revolves around him, and that's really cool. That's cool. I love watching Jokic, but I don't think he should be a back-to-back MVP. Let me read you the list of players that have won back-to-back MVPs. It's pretty exclusive. Bill Russell won three in a row from 61 to 63. Wilt won three in a row from 65 to 67. Kareem went back-to-back twice, one in Milwaukee and then again in LA. Moses Malone, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, Steve Nash, LeBron, also went back-to-back twice, a la Kareem, once in Cleveland, once in Miami. Curry and Giannis. That's it. That's the list of players in NBA history that have won back-to-back MVPs. Steve Nash is certainly the outlier in that group, and you'll get outliers. But then what does that make Jokic? Jokic is not Tim Duncan. He's not Kareem. He's not Wilt. He's not Giannis. He's not Curry. He's not LeBron. He's certainly not Bill Russell or Wilt. Back-to-back MVP is a really exclusive group, and I don't like having that group. And then, oh, yeah, also, I guess Nikola Jokic did it twice, in 2020 and in 2021. Now, last year, injuries played a role. And I I get that. I I understand last year was weird. I don't think anybody loved how the MVP race went last year. But this year, we have enough of Embiid. We have enough of Giannis. We have enough of Luka. And we're still going to do this. We're going to make Jokic a back-to-back MVP. All of these guys won big in the playoffs. Bill Russell, Kareem, Magic, Jordan, Duncan, Curry, LeBron, Giannis, and I know I'm leaving a couple of guys out, but what I'm saying is 90% of these guys have succeeded in the playoffs at the highest level. Now, Nash made the conference finals in 03, 05, 06, and 2010, never made an NBA finals. Jokic has made it to the conference finals once, and it was in the bubble. I'm not saying that postseason success should dictate how we give out MVPs. It's a regular season award, but this thing kind of has a a nature of policing itself, right? Right. A lot of players won MVPs. Okay, who's won multiple MVPs? The club gets more exclusive. Those are players that usually go on to do great things in the playoffs. Okay, who have won back-to-back MVPs or three-peated MVPs? Okay, these are players that have almost assuredly gone on to do great things in the playoffs. That that, kind of naturally works out. Jokic is not in that group, at least not yet. I realize it's a regular season award. I get it. But the Nuggets are the sixth seed. The sixth seed. It's not Nikola Jokic's fault that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. hurt. I I, I get that. But 10 years ago, you know what we would say about Jokic's situation? Well, Jokic is brilliant, but his team is in the sixth seed because they're dealing with injuries. You know what we'd say? Tough. That's tough. That's tough luck for Nikola Jokic. That sucks. Try again next year. Being lower than a three seed used to be a complete and total non-starter to winning an NBA MVP. You just wouldn't do it. Here are recent NBA MVPs and their respective playoff seeds. You ready? Giannis won it back to back in 19 and in 20. His team was the one seed both years. Harden in 2018 won the MVP. His team, his Rockets, were the one seed in the West. And that's when Kevin Durant was on the Warriors. So not only was Harden the one seed, he was the one seed in a conference with arguably the best super team we've said, at least since the 90s, maybe ever. Now, Westbrook did it in 2017 as a six seed, but he averaged a triple-double, and I think that's pretty easy easy to litigate because you look at that MVP and you say, okay, well, he had done something that no one had ever done before. That was a personal achievement. That was a lifetime achievement thing. There wasn't another possibly great option, so Westbrook got it. Okay, that's an outlier. Curry won it in 15, one seed. Franchise record, 67 wins. He did it in 2016. His team won an NBA record, 73 games, one seed. Durant did it in 2014 the two-seed, and that team lost in, the, lost in the conference finals to the Spurs. You could keep going back and back and back. Once upon a time, we would look at the MVP race, and the conversation would start at a three-seed at the worst. You would never, ever give MVPs to someone lower than a three-seed, and you certainly wouldn't do it back-to-back years. Now, during the Nuggets game yesterday, they played the Lakers. It was the game after the Bucs. They flashed this graphic, and I have the graphic in front of me. It's a picture of Jokic, and I'm just going to read you the stats that they chose to use. Jokic ranks first in all of these categories. Player impact estimate, player efficiency rating, win shares, box plus minus, and value over replacement player. I'm not saying these stats don't matter. I'm not saying we shouldn't use these stats. But we never picked MVPs this way before. If you went back through the annals of NBA history and you relitigated every single MVP based on player impact estimate, well, then history might look a little bit deeper. It's like, well, actually, this point guard on the seventh-seeded Blazers was the most valuable player. I guess, literally, maybe he was, but that's never how we've done this in the past. The conversation has started with the top three teams in each conference, who's the best player on each of their teams. The conversation starts there. I'm not anti-Jokic. And he shouldn't be penalized because his team is injured and not that good relative to the rest of his conference or league. But in the past, we'd say tough. Come back and do it again next year when your teammates are healthy, and then you can earn an MVP. I just, I, I don't like this. And this isn't even a Giannis thing. It's not even a Giannis thing. Now, I think Giannis is more valuable. <laughs> I know I just contradicted myself, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bringing this up because I want to make the case for Giannis. This is more of an anti-Jokic thing and an anti-new way of thinking thing, an anti-MVP segment. I just hate how this is working because next year, who's the next guy, right? What's the next six seed with a, with a uniquely valuable player. Who's especially weighted relative to the rest of his roster. That's going to win an MVP that won't match what history has done up until this point. It just bothers me. And maybe we can talk more about this when they actually award the MVP, but this is something that was weighing on my mind yesterday when I watched Giannis and Luca, then I turned around and watched Jokic. I'm like, this isn't how this should be going. Wanted well, to get that off my chest. Let's talk about college basketball coming up next on the Wisco sports show.
2: This is the Wisco sports show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network.
3: Wisco sports show. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you for being here. Hope you had a good weekend. It's Neil Diamond week. We've talked a lot of hoops. We're going to do football at five o'clock. I want to look at some win totals for the Packers, the Bears, and the Vikings. It's not that I don't care about the Lions. I find them very interesting. But what are we going to look at a win total of five or six and try to decide? It's their tanking. Okay, we can leave them out for now. Some NFL news this afternoon, which I originally discarded because I didn't want to read it all. It's a really long bit of news. But then when I read it, an hour later, I was like, holy cow, this is actually substantial. The Eagles traded their picks in this year's draft, 16 and 19, and 194, at a sixth round pick, to the Saints. And they got back pick 18, a third-round pick, a seventh-round pick, and a first-round and a second-round next year and the year after. Interesting. Could you see why I discarded this at first? I was like, there's too many words, too many numbers. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. But actually, first- and second-round picks, changing hands. So now the Saints have an extra first-round pick. Are they moving for a quarterback? What are they doing? I don't know. The Eagles, I think what they're doing is pretty smart. They're like, well, we'll move back just a little bit, which won't impact us much. And if the Saints turn out to be really good, the difference isn't huge. But if they suck, we might get a top-five pick. I like that trade for the Eagles. Get some extra picks, extra value, always keeping your options open in the future. I like that, which, as I've said in the last week or two. I don't want the Packers to use both of their first rounders to trade up or their second rounders with it. Don't move up. You have a lot of picks. That's a great advantage. Don't don't piss away that advantage. We're going to do football in about a half hour. I want to do college basketball right now, and I'd love to talk with you because I know some of you are bigger college basketball fans than me. 608-796-2558. 608-796-2558. I've been told I read the number too fast. And Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you're on Twitter and you want to be a part of the show that way. Duke, North Carolina, was fun on Saturday. And as someone who's a casual of college basketball, that game was made for me. Right? That was very digestible. It's like, okay, Coach K's final game, maybe. It's a rivalry game. It's in the Final Four. And Palo Bancaro is there. Jeremy Roach. There's, there's other NBA players on the floor. So there's, there's a lot for me to work with. I don't need to be an expert on college basketball to understand this, right? North Carolina is a blue blood, so is Duke. This is, this is digestible for me, even as a casual. It's a lot like Cavs Warriors. When that happened four years in a row, I know a lot of NBA diehards hated that because it was the same thing every year. But it's great for the league because casual NBA fans, people who didn't watch all regular season or maybe don't watch a lot of basketball, period, They can come back every year to watch the finals. Oh, look, it's the same teams. It's the same faces, the same names. We're right back where we were last year. Let's do this again. Right. Great for casual fans. Good for diehard fans, too. But they're just, you know, they're jerks about it. Duke UNC on Saturday was a digestible game. I enjoyed it. I was going to try to put together a segment on Duke UNC, you know, good opener, uh, main points, clincher, maybe mix in an analogy. I couldn't do it. I don't have one big thing. I do have a few little things. I have some Coach K things, and then I have a Final Four thing. Uh, They're not complaints. They're not, I don't even know. They're just things that I wanted to bring up. Coach K makes me laugh because he announced his retirement before the year and then did this long farewell, farewell tour. Excuse me, geez. This long farewell tour. I swear I talk for a living. And yet still is convinced that this isn't about him. He was asked after the game, like, what does this mean to you now that you're done? And he just kept pushing back against it.
1: It's not about me, right, you know, especially right now. You know, my, you know, as a coach, I'm just concerned about these guys. I mean, I see, you know, they're already crying on the court. And, and, uh, I mean, that's the only thing you can think about. And then going into the locker room, you know, I've, I've said my entire career or when I knew what the hell I was doing, that, uh, I wanted my seasons to end where my team was either crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow. Because then you knew that they gave everything. And I had a locker room filled with guys who were crying. And it's a beautiful sight. It's not the sight that I would want. I'd want the other. But it's a sight that I really respect that makes me understand just how good... This group was.
3: That's how I like my show to end every day. Uh, also, I like to end the show and turning off the microphone and then cry tears of joy or tears of sorrow because that way I know that I gave it all. It's just kind of bizarre. I don't even hate Coach K. I don't even hate Duke. I know they beat Wisconsin a couple of years ago, but time heals all wounds. I hate some of the guys that were on that Duke team, except Grayson Allen. I'll defend him with my life now that he plays for the now that he plays for the Bucks, which is bizarre. I'm not a Coach K hater, like a lot of people are a Coach K hater. I just hear this, and I'm just like, that's kind of, it's kind of weird. He also had a couple of comments where he didn't necessarily throw his teammates or his team under the bus. Well, just listen to this. You, you tell me.
4: Can you just reflect on your career and what it's meant? To I'm you. not gonna. I'd rather not. I'm not thinking
3: about my career right now. Okay, so that was the wrong cut, but that plays on the last point I he's making. He's talking about free throws, and this is just bizarre.
1: Listen to this. So I know he's beating himself up. Uh, missing those two free throws and, uh, and not having a, not being able to play. But he fouled. You know, I'm, not, I'm not complaining about about that.
3: <laughs> I'm not complaining about it, but I'm going to bring it up. I know he's beating himself up, which wasn't what we were talking about, but I'm going to bring it up because that guy missed two free throws. And then he did it again, kind of. He was asked uh, after the game. So this was not in the, the official sit-down press conference, but by one reporter on TV coming out of the locker room. He's like, what did you tell your
1: team? And what did you tell them in the locker room? Oh, a bunch of things. And uh, the main thing is how proud we are of them. And, and not to beat themselves up, that one play lost it. So uh, a youngster doesn't leave this locker room thinking that he lost the game. You know, <laughs> collective responsibility, win and lose together. And, and we've loved coaching them.
3: <laughs> what did you tell your team? Well, I definitely told that one guy who missed all the free throws. Hey, I know you missed all the free throws, but this is not your fault. I just Do you get what I'm saying You can listen to Coach K And based on whether you hate him or love him You can kind of draw your own conclusion I'm not saying Coach K sucks And that he's throwing his kid under the bus That's not what I'm saying I'm just saying you could interpret it that way if you wanted to And I know a lot of people would want to I do need to get Ben Kenny on this week because Ben hates Duke. I was texting with him this morning. Ben produces the Bill Michaels show. He hosts Heilpern and Kenny or Kenny and Heilpern, excuse me, every Thursday night. You hear him on the zone in Madison. He's just blitzing Duke. Duke sucks. Coach K is the worst. And it's for, you know, stuff like this. I just I, I want to have him on. Because I can't make myself hate Coach K and and yell about this stuff.
1: It would be very fake. I could fake it, but it, it wouldn't be me. I just, I, I find this whole thing bizarre. So I know he's beating himself up um, missing those two free throws. And um, <laughs> not what and we're talking about. Not but. having, a, not being able to play, but he fouled. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not complaining about, about that.
3: <laughs> I know we're not talking about it. He's upset that he couldn't play, but he fouled. The idiot, he, he shouldn't have fouled. 608 796 2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, this is uh, Vinny. Vinny, what's going on?
4: Hey, I'm with you, man. I'm I'm so tired of Coach K, <laughs> and I, I, I'm tired of Will Smith. Yes, I'm tired of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing about all that stuff, man. It's annoying. But I don't hate Duke. But I was glad they lost.
3: Okay, so and then someone
4: said there. Someone said there was a stat that when he started coaching, UNC was the first team he lost to, mm-hmm. and then he was the it was his last home game he lost
3: to him and then he lost, last game of his career he lost. Yeah. I thought that was that was that was but anyway, you were saying you, No, 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 no I interrupted you. That's my bad. It, well, he lost his last game of the season at Cameron, so his last ever home game to North Carolina, and then they got him again in the final four. I look, I like Coach K because he gives he gives college basketball a villain and there just aren't many coaches like that left. Like there aren't any big time you know, legendary coaches that we can bang up and hate on. And, like, I can't really hate Izzo. Matt Painter's kind of a goofball. I guess I like to make fun of him. But Coach K gave us something. Yeah. We got utility out of him. Like, he, he, we got a villain that everyone can cheer for. Because I don't really care North Carolina, Duke, Kansas. I don't really care who wins the title. But Duke's entertaining at least, and, and I appreciated him for yeah. that.
4: Yeah, yeah, I would agree because it, it got me to it, it got me to uh, watch the game because I wanted to see him lose. Are you going to watch tonight? <laughs> so I, Oh, yeah, I'm going
3: to watch tonight. Okay, yeah. okay. Yep. You're yep. going to pull be for
4: bad. UNC? Uh, Yeah, I am pulling for UNC, I, but I think if Kansas plays tonight like they did uh, on Saturday, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough for them to
3: to, to beat them. But, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for UNC. Okay, last thing. So, you're I'm going to assume you're a Badgers fan. Like, do you hold that against? Yeah. Do, do you still hate Duke for that? I've gotten over that. I don't really think about that no. anymore. No,
4: I'm not a. No, I don't hate it for that. That's, okay. To me, that's so. I'm kind of like in the same same uh, group you are, where I, I I watch most of my college basketball, um, and with March Madness, yeah, I don't really follow it a whole heck of a lot during the season. So, yeah, you know, I watch my. Team. But I, I, I'm not. Yeah, yeah but I like you know. I thought that I hope I I kind of hoped the Badgers would have done gone a little further than they did. I yeah. thought they had some momentum,
3: but what are you gonna do? What are you going to, it's a tournament. What are you going to do? I agree, Vinny. Hey, thanks for the call. Nice to meet you. Yep. Appreciate it. 608-796-2558. I'm glad you brought up the Badgers because the last point I want to make on college basketball is, how do I, how do I word this? What does this all mean? Like, what did that game mean for Coach K on Saturday night? Because I woke up this morning, I was going to go to the gym, but I, this is going to sound so stupid. I, I think I slept weird on my shoulder. It feels like I, like I hurt my shoulder doing something. I just woke up feeling this way. So I was going to go to the gym. I didn't end up going to the gym. So I had some extra time. So I sat down and I started working on the show at like eight this morning and I threw on get up because I like seeing, I I leave it on mute and I listen to music, but I like seeing the the topics because they sometimes make me laugh. And the topic I saw this morning was how does this loss impact Coach K's legacy? And it just makes me laugh. This is something I started bringing up three, four weeks ago. I was like, look, we can't take the tournament that seriously. We, We can't make legacy conversations and validate or invalidate a four-and-a-half-month season based on what happens in the tournament. It's a crapshoot. But a lot of people tell me that that's ridiculous. That's wrong. The tournament is the only thing that matters. Well, if the tournament's the only thing that matters, then this, this destroys Coach K's legacy, right? Like, oh, this is terrible. This is a dark mark, a stain on Coach K's tenure at Duke, right? It's. I mean, it's not, but it'd be kind of funny to say that it is. I, one thing I don't get, Duke has the best players... And this amazing program. Like Kentucky gets, gets, you know, they get um one and done. That's what they do. They've never really had a program built around developing players for a long time. They don't have this brotherhood that Duke would claim to have. Duke gets the best of both worlds. They get the great players that Kentucky gets. And they have this amazing infrastructure and the amazing coach. And yet they always come up short. I would say that they come up short because the tournament is a crapshoot. And then it's mostly chance. But hey. Yes, most people have their opinion on the tournament. Then Coach K is a fraud, right? We saw yeah, we saw why yesterday. We'll talk more about this next. I see the phones ringing. I promise I'll get to you. Three minute break, and we'll be back next on the Wisco Sports Show. This
2: is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: Short show, we got a lot of the show left. I want to talk NFL at 5 o'clock. I'm going to do some more NBA stuff at 5.30. I want to compare Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic, and the issues they present. The Bucks have played them both in the last week. Came to some interesting conclusions. It's also Neil Diamond week, so we're going to get to more Neil. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Plenty more Neil. lot of show left. A whole hour, in fact. And I've said this my whole career, at least when I knew what the heck I was doing. I, I've said that I, I want my show every day to end with tears of joy or tears of sorrow uh, because then you know that I truly gave it my all. Uh, and I've said that for a long time, as has coach K. He said that a million times after the game on on Saturday night. He really wanted to get that out there. That big big nice part of his personal brand. Good job coach K. Put a put a stamp on that really weird logic. 608-796-2558. We we're BSing about college basketball just a little bit and if you want to join the conversation, you can You can also tweet me at Wisco grant. Here's the quote from coach K. If you missed it, Uh,
1: it's not about me, right. You know, especially right now, you know, my, you know, as a coach, I'm just concerned about these guys. I mean, I see, you know, they're already crying on the court and, and, um, I mean, that's the only thing you can think about. And then going into the locker room, you know, I've, I've said my entire career or when I knew what the hell I was doing that, uh, I wanted my seasons to end where my team was either crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow mm. because then you knew that they gave everything.
3: And that's what I do on the show every day. I want to cry after the show. And I do cry after the show every every single day. Let's talk to Daryl, 608 What's up, Daryl?
0: Well, first of all, I'm going to say is that uh, it's good to see that one of the number one seeds made it to the championship game. Yeah. After looking at how the other number one seeds have fallen along the way and stuff like that. And it's only fitting that a number eight seed gets all the way up there as far as it goes, too. Of course. If you really think about how this season is, um, this was the most wildly um, balanced tournament possible that the NCAA could ever have made up. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that um, a Big 12 team... um, Made it to the finals along with an ACC team doesn't say a whole lot about the Big Ten this season, and I will say it further because, as much as there were accolades for um, Johnny Davis and Coach Guard, I'd hate to say this—they were almost immaterial when it got to it when it came down to crunch time. So I'll go one step beyond all this and just say simply the Big Ten and its crying. Crying little Izzo's and um, oh. uh, Michigan, Juwan Howard. Bet oh. as far as goes, as far as it goes, they weren't deserving. They didn't play well enough. Mm-hmm. The teams and the fact that uh, Kansas played well enough, and that um, North Carolina found a way to win its uh, tournament, and then go on to find a way to get all the way to the finals and having to beat Coach K again yeah. to get to where it has to be today or for tonight, says a lot about North Carolina's um, bid for the championship. This should be a darn good game because both teams happened to score 81 points on Saturday night. That's both awesome. of them did.
4: Yeah.
0: Now, it's the one who's going to play defense <laughs> is the one I'm looking for. Okay. 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 And as, as I'm looking at one step further... I would hope Kansas can play the defense, but I'm not hundred percent sure if they can.
3: So you like North Carolina and, um, Is that what I'm hearing, Daryl?
0: I actually I actually just because the way this tournament has played itself out, I actually have thinking North Carolina and three points.
3: Okay. Might win it tonight. All right. Well I appreciate that pick, Daryl. I, I gotta go and sorry we're bumping up against five o'clock. Daryl came ready. Did you hear that? <laughs> He came ready. He should host this show. I think I like UNC, Two. Duke, or not Duke, but Kansas played, I think, just about as well as they could play the other night. The combination with North Carolina this year, and Colin Cowherd said this on a show today, I agree. You get a blue blood program that's used to winning, that's really, really good, but you stick them with an eight seed. So you get all the talent. You get the coach who everyone really loves. And he's obviously been really successful since Roy Williams stepped away, right? But you stick them with that eight seed so they get a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And you give them a little bit of attitude, that's a good combination, right? And maybe that's why, as Daryl said, a bunch of one seeds have gone down because when you come in as a one seed, you play like you have everything to lose. Where with North Carolina, they're playing they have everything to gain, they have nothing to lose. They were an eight seed. And I think that that weird underdog mentality, that chip on the shoulder mentality, is dangerous, of course, but it's even more dangerous when you stick it with a team that's really talented. Or like Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers is brilliant, he's amazing. But you, you draft him late and you give him that chip on his shoulder, I, I think that's the combination that can be killers. I think I might like UNC tonight too, but I'm always wrong about everything. Let's take a break. I want to talk NFL coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show.
2: to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the
3: air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. It's Neil Diamond week. Yeah, we got four more days of this. So strap in. We need to pace ourselves. Listen to Hot August Night today. Maybe we'll do, I don't know, what album tomorrow? I'm really partial to the essential Neil Diamond. I know it's greatest hits and it's lame, but just the way they stack up the songs on that. It was a CD that we had in the house when we were young, and my dad's listening. This probably said, "Yeah, you lost one CD. You scratched up the other one." Yeah, probably. Probably do the essential Neil Diamond tomorrow. Just more encompassing. Like, yeah, can't stick with live albums for too long. You start to go crazy listening to Grateful Dead live albums or Jimmy Buffett live albums. I, I don't have enough time for Neil Diamond live albums too. It's Neil Diamond week. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Uh, if you were not a part of Neil Diamond Week last year, I'm sorry, because it's the best week of the year, and it sucks that you missed it. Here's basically how it works. It's really complicated. Uh, we talk about the things that we would normally talk about. Packers, the Brewers, the Badgers, the Bucks. Uh, we just also listen to Neil Diamond. That's really all it is. It's not complicated. It's actually pretty good. 608-796-2558 If you'd like to call or text, be part of the show. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. Uh, I think later this week we're going to have to do a good old fashioned Twitter blitz. I'm at one thousand five hundred ninety one followers. We got to get that to sixteen hundred by the end of the week. So probably either Thursday or Friday we're going to do an all hands on deck push for some Twitter followers. But not today. That's that's just that's that's too much. But if you want to if you want to tweet at me during the show, you can find me. At Wisco Grant, did a lot of NBA in the first half of the show. If you missed out on that and you were bummed about it, you can find it in the podcast. We're going to do more NBA in about a half hour. I want to do some football. I want to talk Packers, Vikings, Bears. and I want to look at some win totals. Not because we're going to bet them. Betting win totals in April is fun if you gamble a lot. Uh, However, if you don't gamble a lot and you need to pick your spots, I don't know, maybe bet something else so your money's not tied up for... Months and months and months. Like, you bet a win total now. You're not seeing that money or you're not paying that money until January. We could probably probably do some more financially sound bets. Not that this is the Dave Ramsey show, although sometimes I wish because I love Dave Ramsey. But I want to look at win totals because it gives us kind of a jumping off point to talk about the Packers, who i found at most places are 11, or the Vikings I saw at most places coming around 9, or the Bears, who are at 7. Earlier in the show, I got a text from Rob, uh, one of our Bears fans, who is in Stoddard. He said, I have the Packers penciled in for 13 to 14 wins. The Bears anywhere from 7 to 10 to 12 and 5. Vikings at 9 and 8, and the Lions at 5 and 12. That's a big swing with your Bears, Rob. I think we're going to finish with the Bears. I want to start with the Packers. We'll do the Vikings, and then we'll do the Bears. Uh, I, it's not that I'm telling you to bet over under. That, that's not what this is, but... I, I like the over unders because it gives us a jumping off point to talk about some of our teams, right? Because think about it we're at a point of the offseason now where most big free agency signings have happened, most big trades have happened. And if somebody's going to be cut, they've probably already been cut, right? So, really, all we have left is the draft, which don't get me wrong. Like, if teams are taking quarterbacks, maybe that changes how we look. But if, if the Packers take a wide receiver and a linebacker in the first round, is that win total changing? Probably not. If the Vikings take a left guard and a safety, I don't think that moves their win total. If the Bears draft a running back and a corner, you get my point? Like, most drafts aren't going to drastically change what a team is doing. Now, if the Lions take Malik Willis, maybe that changes things a little. The quarterback picks are an outlier, and still, I don't think a rookie quarterback in most situations changes a team a whole lot. So we're at a point in the offseason now where things are kind of stable, and we have a half-decent idea on what these teams are going to look like. Now, we need to see how the schedule plays out, because sometimes tough patches in a schedule can lead to to more losses or more wins, right? So we still have that, but for the most part, we get got a pretty good idea. Let's we'll start with our Packers. who have a win total, at most books that I checked today, at 11, somewhere around there. I don't know that I would play an over. I mean it's juice to the over too. So if you want to actually make money, you probably got to bet under and I it's just a, that's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins. I want to not recite the whole thing, but I want to read you a line or two from Bill Huber's piece. Uh he covers the Packers for Sports Illustrated and he put out an article the other day that says Packers spin wheels in race for Super Bowl. Well, many of the NFL's heavyweights improved this off season, the Packers are going nowhere fast in their pursuit of another Super Bowl. Now, this could be misconstrued. Don't misconstrue what Bill is saying. I agree wholeheartedly with Bill. The Packers have had a good offseason, but they've gotten worse. I think those things can both be true. Do you disagree? I think those things can both be true. Where a team made smart moves, retained players that they should retain, make trades to clear salary cap space or get picks in return or whatever, I I think you can have an offseason that is smart while also getting worse. Right? That that can be true. I'm not not being overly homerish with that, right? The Packers got a little worse, but I think given the tools in their toolbox and the ammo that is in their clip, which is rather limited, I think they've done pretty darn good with what they've been given. I'm going to read you uh, from some of this. If the goal is to win the Super Bowl and at a place called Titletown, that should be the goal. The Packers have spent the offseason with their fingers clenched to the rooftop of a 32-story building, the rest of their body dangling precariously off the edge. It's impossible to overstate the opportunities the Packers wasted the past two years, especially with Aaron Rodgers winning back-to-back MVPs. Now, with some key personnel losses, can they win the game that matters in February before they lose their grip? I'm just glad that Bill put this in writing and said, we can all agree that the last two years have been massive failures and huge wasted opportunities because I think some Packers fans have convinced themselves that it hasn't been that way the last years most certainly has the Packers have gotten worse this offseason mostly because of Devontae Adams Devontae Adams if you look at most wins over replacement metrics or war whether you look at PFF war I don't know football outsiders or somewhere else tell you that Devontae Adams is one of the most important most valuable players in the NFL especially once you take the quarterbacks out of the mix Right, DeVonte Adams is one of the most valuable non-quarterbacks in football. The Packers lost him. The Packers have had a good offseason, but they've gotten appreciably worse. They retained Rasul Douglas and DeVondre Campbell and that's nice. But you're not getting better. You're not improving. They lost MVS. I like Lucas Patrick a lot. I think that kind of stinks cuz this is a team that's built on offensive line depth. You lost a nice piece of your offensive line depth. You lost some coaches. This team has gotten worse. That doesn't make their offseason a failure, and I don't even know that I disagree with any of the moves that Brian Gutekunst has had to make. But when you need to pay the quarterback this much, you need to make difficult choices, and those difficult choices have been made. Now, the rest of the NFC is very good, although the NFC hasn't been good the last two years. So I don't really know what changes with the Packers this year. I suppose there's no reason they can't win a similar amount of games that they've won the last two years. But I think Packers fans, we need to admit to ourselves... This team got worse. They actually got a lot worse. Now, they kept Campbell, they kept Douglas, they kept now they're paying a bigger price tag for both of those guys. But this team got worse. Well, they they beat the salary cap. They got under the cap. Yeah, but getting under the salary cap every year, again, is like paying minimal payments on a credit card. You're getting to next month. And that's good. That's better than not getting to the next month. That's better than not being under the salary cap but you're not making progress. You're not you're not getting rid of debt by only paying your minimum payments. You're just making it a next month problem. And sometimes there's utility in that, although I can't think of a I can't think of a real financial reason where if given the opportunity you don't want to get rid of debt. But in football, Aaron Rodgers at the end of his career, his final contract, similar to what the Saints did, right? Keeping that window open for two or three years isn't the worst strategy in the world. Now I would contend that the Saints need to need to cash in their chips and stop. They're trading away draft picks to move up in the draft. I don't know what they think they're doing. I mean, this team is done contending, but they seem to think their window is open. Right? It's one thing to prop your window open and extend that window. It's another to it's another to not realize when the window is closed. And the Saints, I think don't realize that their window is closed. The Packers' window is not yet closed. I think they did as well as they could this offseason so far given the tools they had to work with. And because of Aaron Rodgers, especially his new deal, they don't have a lot of tools to work with. Now, what about the Vikings? The Vikings' win total is around nine, which is perpetually what the Vikings do every year. It's like, well, can they go slightly over 500 or will they be slightly under 500, right? And we can talk about the Vikings' win total, especially with some of these teams they are comparable to or they have been comparable to. The Saints, the Bears, uh, the Commanders, slash football team, slash R-Words, uh the New York Giants. That's the tier with the Vikings. I have reason to believe that the Vikings can maybe be a little bit better than all those teams, Uh and that's something we can talk about as we move forward. Vagabond John, 608-796-2558. John, what's going on? Welcome. Mr. Grant Bills, how are we doing? I am doing swell. It's been a while. What's new?
5: Uh got a new job. I'm no longer driving around the state. I might have to change my tag for calling into Wisconsin Sports Radio. So mm. I, uh got a new gig working from homes i don't have free time just you know wandering around the state listening to you guys you know so you're you're
3: stationary john you're homebound john we'll 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 workshop it we'll think of something okay yeah we'll we'll figure it out um
5: i have one question for you um so today is april 4th
4: Mm -hmm.
3: when does the NFL off season end i don't know that it I don't know that it ever, I don't know that it ever ends. It doesn't feel like it ever ends. Cause it hasn't, it feels like we're going to keep doing what we're doing now. And all of a sudden it's week one and here we go. It feels nonstop.
5: So, so is the answer week one is the answer the trade deadline.
3: <sighs> I don't know. I, it just feels like because teams. it feels like teams. If they've made a trade, they're probably have made it already with few exceptions. Well, there are quite a few in season trades that do happen. Um, uh, but, you know,
5: the reason I'm asking this question is because this is there's a lot of grading of teams off seasons going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here like I just saw the snow melt like yesterday. Mm-hmm. I went on a little golf golf yesterday and there was snow on the golf course. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know if we can talk about grading a team's off season when there's snow on a golf course. You yeah. know, there's, yeah. there's a heck of a lot lot of time. I mean, draft day alone involves quite a few trades. So, I don't know. There's a lot of talk about grading offseason, are the Packers getting better, are the Packers getting worse. And I'm sitting here kind of, you know, in the back seat, tuning in for the first time in
3: a couple of weeks, sitting here like, wait a minute. I've been in a hole for two weeks, but... It's not August. Well, Devontae Adams isn't coming back, right? That's he's gone. Like and they're not getting a player that's equal or better than Devontae Adams. So I think we can talk about that for, for a sure thing, right? I don't think I don't think Devontae Adams obviously he, he unless you're
5: somehow prying away Cooper Cup, which is obviously impossible. You're not gonna replace Devontae Adams with one player. Mm-hmm. I would argue that if the Packers somehow found let's be honest i'm a big alan lazard fan i think alan lazard is an excellent number three option i I think alan lazard is a below average number two option so if the packers via the draft via free agency via trades along with the draft bring in a top tier number two option and then let's just say they get lucky in the draft and get a great number one option there or they bring in, you know, Odell or somebody like that, that could be a, a decent number one option. Yeah. And they have a great number two. You are actually replacing the production of Devontae Adams. And I think that's where Rodgers would actually be more comfortable and be better as a quarterback. So the offseason is not over. Yes, it's impossible to replace Devontae Adams with one player. But with the Packers' receiver room as it is, I do not, And as it was last year, I certainly think that two to three good pickups could actually replace them. In a similar way, by the way, that in the defensive side, Jair Alexandro goes down, and we actually replaced his production pretty well
3: with a couple players, right? So yeah. that's my thought. Hmm. I'm just stew on this. All right. All right. All right. So you think Aaron Rodgers or- would be better with two or three pretty good wide receivers rather than one elite wide receiver? I think we agree there.
5: I, You know, sitting in the snow watching that Rams game? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, When it matters, yes. Now, are they going to have maybe a couple fewer um, wins during the regular season? Maybe, right? But in the playoffs, when the defenses are turned up, when the analysis, when the preparation, when everybody's at 11, turned to 11 with intensity, and these defenses are dissecting the Packers' offense, I think that's what the Rams kind of did, right? They're like, oh, they've got one guy to throw to. Tanya's down. Tanya's down. There's one guy to throw to. We can hold these guys to what? What was it, 10 points? You know? So if they bring in even two above-average wide receivers, so you're looking for an average or above-average number one and an average to above-average number two and another pass-catching tight end, same story. I think you're replacing the production of Devontae adams all right so we'll see i mean that's my that's positive john okay i've got negative john sitting here for a (laughs) while as well but it's it's you know it's april 4th
3: guys there's no reason to be too uh pessimistic yet and yet the way that we talk about the nfl and people not not me but if you watch sports tv and radio it seems like week one is next week based on how people talk about it right Exactly, and we know that.
5: I mean, the NFL is going to. It looks totally different today than it did two months ago, and I think you give it another what? We got four or five months until the season. It's going to look totally different then than it does today, and we don't know what those differences are going to look like. Is Malik Willis going to come out and be a star for Pittsburgh? Right? Like, are like. Who is the next Joe Burrow? It's just the the narrative of the NFL. That's why it's so entertaining and such an exciting league to watch and to cover year after year, right? It's, yeah. it's constantly changing. We're not talking about LeBron James every single year. Yeah, that's that's a true. shot at the NBA. They probably don't deserve that. <laughs> but um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's do. not a super team every year. I think who saw Bruce Arians retiring
3: last week? It's I just, didn't. There's a lot. Yeah. There's
5: a lot going on. And uh, I'm here for the ride. Yeah, yeah, well sure. I appreciate
3: it. and I'm and I'm here for your call anytime Vagabond John. I appreciate you. And enjoy being at home. That sounds nice. Yeah, it'll be nice. Also my optimism I think is
5: covering and I'm compensating for all of the uh Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter memories for Wisconsin basketball fans of the Kentucky oh, game today. No. Oh and just God. reminiscing. <laughs> at least it's you know, all the highlights that are coming out of the good ones, right? But I mean yeah, it's true. I don't know if I've cried. I mean I've lost both sets of grandparents, you know, there's been a lot. I've had a couple pets die, but I don't know if I've cried harder than I did at that championship game. So oh, that was brutal. Um, that sucks. I'll be at the bar. I'll be at Scottie Bar tonight, in Madison, Wisconsin, watching uh, North Carolina with two UNC alums, which might be a little bit unbearable, but it'll be fun.
3: <laughs> Enjoy the game. I appreciate the call, John. Yep, talk to you soon. Later. Have a good one. That is uh, Vagabond John, although Vagabond with an asterisk because we might need to rebrand. He's uh John at home. Maybe we can we'll go with that and and you'll think of something, John. I, I trust you. 608 2558 We'll talk more about the Packers, little Bears, little Vikings, and then I have some couple uh couple NBA things that I want to share with you. That'll be at 530. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent, awesome day. It's Neil Diamond week, which doesn't really change anything except we listen to Neil Diamond. And for some reason, I get so excited about it. <laughs> we did the first one last year. Ebo was here. I remember him telling a funny story about being at a Neil Diamond concert and sitting next to someone with an oxygen tank. And for whatever reason, that stuck with me for an entire year. That was a year ago. We're going to have Ebo on at some point this week. Maybe I'll ask him to retell that story. And I think we're going to draft our favorite Neil Diamond songs. Bart Winkler will be here on Wednesday to answer Wisconsin sports questions with Neil Diamond lyrics. Uh, I'm very interested to see what he cooks up. That'll be on Wednesday. I want to do some NBA stuff in about 10 minutes. We're talking NFL right now. Is looking at some win totals for the Packers, the Vikings, and the Bears. And what we think of the NFC North's offseason so far. The Lions are kind of their own thing because they're they're not trying to compete right now. The Vikings are trying to compete. Packers trying to compete. The Bears are trying to take the next step. I think the Lions are content to chill for another year. Even if they take a quarterback at two, like they draft Malik Willis, they're still not trying to compete yet. They're hanging out. They're laying low, so we don't need to necessarily include them in this conversation. At least not yet. Maybe next offseason we can, we can make them part of this. Let's talk to Richie in Eau Claire, 608-796-2558. Richie, what's up? Welcome.
6: Hey, so I just actually am calling to tell you that I'm boycotting for the rest of the week because I cannot stand Neil Diamond. Oh,
3: God, why? Why?
6: Why? <laughs> well, so, if, put it in terms of, like, if, if vinyl still existed, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, my mom would have worn out, like, three Di- Neil Diamond live albums, and it sounded terrible. I hated it, and it was on all the time, so I oh. cannot listen to Neil Diamond. Oh, why don't
3: you love your mother? <laughs> what, what is this? You- I,
6: I do love my mother. I don't like Neil Diamond. There's okay. a difference.
3: Okay, that's but fair. But anyways, that's fair.
6: the actual sports thing I was going to say is I, I'm I'm on board with uh, non Vagabond John. Um, I, I of course I have to relate it to baseball, right? Yes. So think of the movie. Think of the movie Moneyball, and how they talk about okay. This guy was worth this much, this many on base points percentages, mm-hmm. and now we can take these three and add their on bases together, and it equals or OBP, whatever it was, and, and it equals the same thing. So, with that same idea, you've got two receivers and a tight end, or whatever, however it adds up, and they're going to produce the same thing that Devonte Adams did. And you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers would actually decide to throw to the open one instead. So, I really, yes. Obviously, I would love to have Devontae Adams. He is the best receiver in the NFL, but... You know, depending on what we get to fill that position, fill those positions, we may not be all that bad off.
3: Well, Jonah Hill would probably say about this Packers offseason, he'd probably say it's a good thing that they got Adams off their books, right? Isn't that right. what he would say? What right. was it, Pete? That was his name, right? Pete in the movie? I don't remember. I need to rewatch that movie. I think the line was...
6: <laughs> Me too. It's a great can't... movie. I watch yeah. it, it at the beginning of every
3: season. Yeah, we can't get another Adams, but we can recreate him in the aggregate. And that's what they're going to try to do, but... Do you think that they can get a wide receiver or two in the draft that are good and keep Lazard around? Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of variables, a lot of things, a lot of bets that need to play out for that to work still. I I think it's easier said than done than most Packers fans want to say.
6: Well, and then, of course, you know, I still have to mention baseball, and I did get to go to my spring training game, which was really exciting. Oh. And my 8-year-old son got to run the bases, so it was all good.
3: How did he look like a natural?
6: Oh my gosh! I, there's, I have a video of him, and he passed like six other kids. It was awesome. Good,
3: good. Proud dad. You were in Arizona, you were in Arizona at Maryvale. You went. Yes. Uh, what else did you do? I want to go to Arizona so bad. I didn't get to go this year. What did you go hiking? What did you do with your son?
6: Uh, we went to the Grand Canyon, oh. and then we also visited Tucson, where my son has now decided he's going to go to the University of Arizona. Oh, good. He's that's the Wildcats, yeah. right? That's that. And then yeah, we got a Wildcat. Cool. He's, he's going to be like six, four like his grandpa, and he'll be, you know, uh, small forward, scoring a whole bunch of points with a full-ride scholarship to UA.
3: Well, Arizona's far away, but it's not as far as Alaska, so I'm sure you can deal with it.
6: Well, we'll, we'll just move to Tucson. It's warm down there. Yeah,
3: it's warm down there. Hey, and make sure your son at least gets a chance to hear some Neil Diamond, okay? You've got to set him up for success for the rest uh, of his life.
6: No, I'm, in, I'm indoctrinating him with other things.
3: Okay, okay, that's, that's fair. Thanks, Richie, for the call. It's Nice to hear from you. You bet. Richie and Eau Claire, 608-796-2558. Rockin' Rick says, Am I the only one who notices Lazard catches everything? Aaron can make him a Kittle or a Kelsey if he wants to. I mean, he's just a huge wide receiver. I think the tight end comparison is good. I don't think he can be that, that good. It's Kittle and Kelsey. Those are the two best guys in the league. One thing that I remember from the playoffs, and it bothered me, Watching the Bengals play the Chiefs. I'm thinking, I'm watching that game. I was like, oh, T. Higgins is doing things that Alan Lazard could absolutely do. Really strong hands at the point of contact, go over the middle of the field. That's what Alan Lazard is really good at. So I know Packers fans, we like to bellyache that we didn't get T. Higgins and we all wanted T. Higgins at the end of that first round instead of Jordan Love. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like Alan Lazard is capable of doing a lot of the same things that I saw. Uh, T. Higgins, do. And he just didn't get a chance because he didn't get the ball. Really quickly, before we take another break, I'm fascinated to see how this call goes. Davis and Monona. Hello, Dave. Welcome.
7: <laughs> hey, I boycotted too until Richie takes some male hormone pills. What it a- sounds like a 35 instead of a 15 year old. So I got to boycott now too. Huh? Now,
3: as someone who also doesn't have a deep voice, I, I take umbrage to that, Dave. I don't appreciate that comment. But well, continue. no,
7: because uh, when I heard you hurt your shoulder, I mean, I can only imagine trying to pull up those panties <sighs> in the morning. I had, had to be kind of tough to get them over those, over
3: those knees. You know? See, so I, I wasn't going to bring know? that up. I wasn't going to bring up that my shoulder hurt today, but and as soon as I did, I knew that you were going to hear that and call me. You've never hurt your shoulder. you never <laughs> slept on your shoulder wrong. It happens. I'm too fat to sit on my shoulder. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. I'll sleep in a recliner hey. tonight. Then I'll be safe.
7: There you go. But hey, a couple things. No, Green Bay is a better team today than they have been the last five years. Wow. People, Adams did nothing in the playoffs. Zero. Nobody cares what Adams did in October, November. He had a, he cashed in. He's going to stink out in Oakland. And oh. what did he do in the playoffs? Because teams, double team. I'm going to tell you what's going to be the winning formula. Okay. This team needs two things. They need a, a Debo Samuels-type player and a Chase-type player who can run those jet sweeps mm-hmm. uh, up the middle, off the edge. Think of all the possibilities. You could do a a type a player like that with Aaron Aaron Jones. Oh my God. The problem is you, you know you got a coach, Matt LaFlunk, who coaches different the playoffs, they're the diverse of the game. But think about the offense, man. If you had a player like like a Debo Samuels type thing. Uh, that's why I never understood about MVS, one of the fastest cats in football. Why you never judge sleep him. Yeah. They judge sleep the slow white guy at Al Lazard. I, I, mean, I agree with do- you on that. I
3: I always thought they could have used him differently. Like if oh he can't catch, if he's if he's struggling to catch the ball, well then give it to him on a little a little tip pass, a little tap pass. You know I I actually agree with you. That's a good take, Dave. Yeah, I mean I mean it,
7: just think of all the all the play action play play with possibilities. Remember we got to remember we you know Goody's got what, six picks. All they need is two players. Okay. If he turns those six players six picks into two players on offense, they're going to be better. If, if they got speed, but you know, give me a couple of Debo Samuel type players, and along with Aaron Jones, they're going to be a lot better. But the problem is, is they're going to have all the talent in the world. But I know you. I know you think Matt Lafleur is great, mm-hmm. but the mistakes he makes during playoff time, I'm more worried about him getting a great getting great talent and knowing what to do with it. But no, 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 they're a lot better team today because now, now who you know teams are going to be able to double cover. So. But the, you know what the true the true reason your shoulder hurts is you, you never reach for you never reach for a check where it got you know where, where it didn't hurt your shoulder so I mean it's kind of like emo now okay you reach own oh oh um, I can't reach for my wallet
3: all right all right I, but one more thing before I let you go because I, I gotta yeah. take a break we're gonna talk about some NBA stuff do you think that so Devontae Adams didn't it didn't work in the playoffs. That's not Devonte Adams' fault, though, is it? Like you talk about it like it's like it's an Adams' problem. I don't think it was his fault. I think it was the situation that wasn't working. I don't know if that's an Adams', Adams problem.
7: Adam, uh, players like Cooper Cup, those type of players, they had no problem getting themselves open on a triple team. Devonte Adams stunk during the playoffs because he 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 can't get open. But you know, Cooper Cup had no problem getting getting open. Great players like that chase the whole world knew he was getting the ball, but. Because they use them in those jet sweeps and those sweeps up to, you know, off tackle and different variations of it, then you know teams couldn't sit back and you know double team on one side. But I except, but he ain't the problem. He, you know, we got we got your big guy Matt Lafleur. That's who I'm more worried about. Oh now they're, they're they're a lot they're a lot better. But hey, let's see what he does on draft day. That's the whole key. They need
3: two players with those six picks. All right, all right. I can get behind that, Dave. I, I appreciate you. I'm going to let you go. And and I'm I'm going to let you go before you can hang up on me or say something that will ruin all of those great points you just made. I think it was a Packers problem. It does bother me that Cooper Cup and Stafford were able to get it done because I think Rodgers and Adams are both better than Cup and Stafford. Now, maybe that was a coverage thing. The Niners were double, triple teaming Adams. I didn't see a lot of double or triple teams on Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl, which is a Bengals issue. I don't maybe think they played their best game. And maybe that's something to do with it, too. And that's out of the control of the Rams and Cooper Cup and the Packers and, and Devontae Adams. The one thing, seeing Richie brought up Moneyball, I think the Packers had been reverse Moneyballing Adams. I think that was that was an issue, right? So what happened in Moneyball was they lost Johnny Damon, so they recreated him in the aggregate. What the Packers did was they had Devontae Adams, so they used Devontae Adams to do what they would do with three or four guys. It's reversed, right? So the A's lose one guy, recreate him with three. The Packers lose three guys and have to recreate him with one in Adams. And that's just, I, I don't know if that works. You get to the playoffs, that guy can get double and triple teamed. And if the quarterback is unwilling to throw the ball elsewhere or the other wide receivers can't get open or make plays, then you run into issues. I actually, Dave, you made a lot of great points. I appreciate the call. Thank you. 608 796 I want to talk more NBA next. Uh, two of the last Bucks opponents. I think we learned something about the Bucks, and we learned something about the rest of the league and the chances the Bucs have in the playoffs. Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic. We're going to talk about that next on the Wisco Sports Show.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Oh wow! This was my first recording ever. And it, we did it about six years ago in the United States. Very excited about it. And, and, and really the thing that I, that I wanted most when I first started was to be able to hear myself singing on the radio. That was it. If I, I, at that time I would have settled for just hearing myself once on the radio and never ever doing anything else again, just once, to be able to turn on the radio and, and realize that it's you. This was the song that I did it with, and uh, finally it came to be, and we'll do it now.
3: Wisco Sports Show. It's Neil Diamond week. You get the drill by now. We do this once a year, just to be dumb, <laughs> basically. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Text and call 608-796-2558. I think this is my favorite Neil Diamond song. Maybe it's because I think it's the first one I've ever heard. I also love this song for show purposes today. Because I think it really applies to what we're going to talk about next. I want to talk about Kevin Durant. I want to talk about Luka Doncic. Two players that the Bucs have seen over the last week. Beat the Nets. Beat Kevin Durant Thursday night. And then they lost to Luka yesterday in primetime. The Mavericks got him 118-112. to 112. Good game. Bucks just didn't have enough. They couldn't get off the runway in the fourth quarter. I think that's the expression I keep using. I think that that suits it well. They couldn't get off the runway. They were there. They, they had it, and they just couldn't couldn't get the wheels off the runway. Now, this song, you got lyrics about being a bachelor. You're not meshing with anyone else, going through life alone. It's going to apply. I'm going to bring it back to Neil Diamond in about five or six minutes here, so hang with me. Bucks played the Nets Thursday, Mavericks, yesterday. They won't have to deal with Luka again this season unless it's in the finals. The Mavericks play in the Western Conference. Now, they could see Durant in the playoffs, and it would be the second year in a row that they've seen him. Today, I think everyone is starting to admit that nobody at the top of the East should be afraid of the Nets. Now, I've said this for like two weeks. That's how Bill Simmons started his podcast today. He's like, I don't think teams are uh, trying to manipulate the standings to avoid Brooklyn anymore. Yeah, you think? Because Brooklyn's not very good. <laughs> That much has been obvious, but I don't know why people are only saying it today. Makes me laugh. The Nets just aren't good. Now, they can see the Nets in the playoffs. And that comes with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who we saw on Thursday. And yesterday after the game, after the Bucks lost to the Mavericks and Luka, I was doing a lot of thinking and I was doing a lot of reading both about Luka and Kevin Durant. Two players everyone loves. Luka is unbelievable. I think it's one of the safest bets that you could place that he's going to win at least one MVP at one point. I wouldn't be shocked if he wins multiple MVPs. He's unreal. He's brilliant. Now with Kevin Durant, everyone wants KD in the must-win game. That's the, that's the language we use with Kevin Durant. Well, if I had to win one game, I want Kevin Durant. If I got to win one playoff series, give me Kevin Durant, right? If it's the fourth quarter and it's a tie game with four minutes left, I want Kevin Durant. That's the guy I want, you know? That's how we talk about Kevin Durant. Yesterday, I tweeted a poll. Who scares you more in a playoff series? Kevin Durant or Luka Doncic? The results, uh, not unexpected. 72% say Kevin Durant. Uh, 28% say Luka at 100 votes. It's not a half-decent sample size. It's not Marquette Law poll, but it's you know it's 100 votes. A little over 70% say Kevin Durant. Luka is just under 30%, which is what I would expect. I actually thought it would be more Kevin Durant, but pretty much ballpark where I would think, especially after the Bucks lose to the Mavericks, probably a little recency bias. People might say Luka Doncic. I could ask a hundred people on the street and I bet 90% of folks would tell me Kevin Durant. I don't want to play Kevin Durant. I'd rather play Luka. Kevin Durant scares me more in a seven game series. And I mean, it's not just people on the street, like with the media, it's ridiculous. Like the Nets could be 15 games under 500. They could be in the 13 seed with only G leaguers on their team and analysts would still say, "Oh, I'm not I'm not writing Kevin Durant off. I'm not writing that guy off." It's like, yeah. Well, you're not writing Kevin Durant off, but I mean the NBA futures odds right now are nuts. I have the odds to win the title. The Nets are third. They're third behind Phoenix and behind Milwaukee. They're plus 700 as of today. Had a rough week. They lost to the Bucks, lost to the Hawks, and yet they remain And Kevin Durant remains as everyone's most feared player, most feared team, and the third most likely team to win the title. I'd rather play Kevin Durant than Luka in a playoff series. I'm serious. 100% serious. I'd rather play Kevin Durant than Luka in a playoff series. Kevin Durant is unbelievable. He can drop 50 points with ease. I mean, he did it. He had 50 points on Saturday night. And his team lost to the Hawks, who are the most disappointing team in the East this season. They're the eight seed. Kevin Durant had 55, and the Hawks won. Even Kyrie had 31. Problem was Kessler Edwards, who's a rookie from Pepperdine, was the next guy. He had nine points. So nobody was in double digits except for Durant with 55 and Kyrie with 31. Game to game, the Nets have no clue what's going on. They don't know what kind of lineup they want to play, what kind of rotations they want to deal with. And maybe Steve Nash just isn't that good of a coach. I know everyone loves him, but I don't know. Game to game, they can't figure it out. And obviously they had James Harden. Now they don't. Now they're waiting on Ben Simmons. Kyrie was in and out of the lineup. But even when everyone's available, this team really doesn't seem to know what's going on. Some stretches, they're trying to go small and they're trying to go all offense with Patty Mills and Cam Thomas and Goran Dragic. That didn't work the other night because Gallinari got in the game and was just hunting Patty Mills and Kyrie who's just taking him to the tin with ease. And then other nights they'll try Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton and Andre Drummond who are bigger players, slower players, defensive players, but not scorers. And that's fine. That gives you more defense, but then Kevin Durant doesn't have enough space and he can't go for 50. He can only go for 30, which for the Nets isn't enough to get a win. Even if it's against the Hawks on a nightly basis, the Nets have all of these guys and they still don't have a clue They don't know what kind of team they want to be. They don't know what the the best version of themselves is. They don't know what kind of size they want to play with or what kind of combinations. And it's been an entire season. Yeah, I know Kyrie has been in and out and James Harden was here and now he's not, but you should still have somewhat of an idea, at least a better idea than they do now. Yet when I watch the Mavericks, it all makes sense. And these rosters aren't that different. In fact, maybe the Nets roster is better, at least in some spots. I like Seth Curry, Better than any secondary scorer that the Mavs have miss for maybe uh, maybe Jalen Brunson. And I guess Tim Hardaway Jr.'s hurt right now, so we forget about him. But I watch the Mavericks, and it all makes sense. Dorian Finney-Smith. You watch him, he's like, oh, okay, so he can pass a little bit. He can hit open jumpers, and he's always in the right spot. Always. I like that Dorian Finney-Smith guy. Dwight Powell, oh, well, he's a tough rebounder. Great energy, always where Luka needs him to be, always in the right spot. Maybe we should focus less on the roster, less on the coach, and the superstar around which the roster is built. The superstar which the coach is hired to coach. And this is not an anti-KD thing. KD's unbelievable. But Luca gets everybody involved, helps set guys up, puts them in a position to succeed. I mean, on offense yesterday, the Mavericks, they weren't even passing to guys. They were passing to spots. Like a quarterback throws to an open uh, space where the wide receiver is about to be. That's what Luka was doing yesterday. And that makes life easier for Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, Jalen Brunson. Davies Bertans can't hit shots, but he can get to open shots and at least take take the shots. Luka makes life easier for everyone else. It makes everyone around him better. Kevin Durant scores 35 to 50 points. And that's great. That is an unbelievable trait. And Kevin Durant is probably better at it than anyone else right now in the NBA. But a team needs more than that. Or at least a team that's not a super team. Kevin Durant on the Warriors was perfect. Because all he needed to do was be a stone-cold scorer. A sniper. Right? Steph Curry would run around. He would keep things moving. Klay Thompson would hit knockdown jumpers. Draymond would pass. Everyone on that team had such a defined role where Kevin Durant could come in and say, I'm just going to get buckets. I'm just going to pour in points. And that's, that's not to say that he wasn't the best player on Golden State. I think he was. He was certainly the best scorer. But the best player always doesn't lead to being on the best team and uplifting teammates around him. It's not like Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's amazing. I'm making him sound like Russell Westbrook. I'm not. He is an unbelievable scorer. And so is Luca. But Luca will score 32 and then also pour in 15 assists and a couple of steals because he's got good hands. Kevin Durant's a good defender. And he's an unbelievable scorer. But Kevin Durant can go for 55, and you can actually do a pretty good job containing everyone else. Kevin Durant's—he's a, a solitary man, like Neil Diamond's saying about right. Some some guys are just better that way. See, I told you I'd bring it back. To, I told you I'd bring it back to Neil Diamond. <laughs> I'd rather go against Kevin Durant. Because you can let Kevin Durant and Kyrie go for 70 and win anyways. Good luck trying to do that with Luka. I think the Bucs tried to a little bit yesterday. It didn't work at all. Luka will score a ton, but he'll also get a bunch of assists. Kevin Durant is an unbelievable scorer, and he manipulates the defense, and in a way makes life easier for teammates, but he's not as good at it as other guys are. So Kevin Durant can go for 55, and the Nets still lose to the Hawks. And I don't think it's all about the roster because the Mavericks roster isn't great either. It fits really well, but maybe it just fits because Luka's an easy player to fit with. I don't know. We'll have to see how the playoffs play out. I'm interested to watch Dallas and the Mavericks and and, and Luka and see how things play out. I'm very interested to see how their playoffs go. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
3: Wisco Sports Show, final segment. My name is Grant Bills. We are underway. Neil Diamond Week. Been a smashing success so far. The reviews are in. Actually, most of the reviews are people who hate Neil Diamond, but whatever. It's like 30 seconds here and there. Take a pill. Neil Diamond's awesome. Neil's for the people. Evo is going to join us at some point this week. We're going to do a Neil Diamond song draft. It'll be brief. I want to keep it under five minutes because the worst thing is when you do a, a draft of things, it's fun until it's like longer than four or five minutes. And then you're just like, can we wrap this up, please? Please. So we're going to talk about our favorite Neil songs. Evo will give us some, uh, some good stories, I'm sure. Bart Winkler is going to be here on Wednesday. I'm going to ask him Wisconsin sports questions. He's going to answer with Neil Diamond lyrics. Uh, the pageantry of this week just just totally totally unparalleled six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight if you want to send me a text here at the last minute or tweet me, find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Are there any texts that I have missed? Uh, Dave from Manona uh, says you cry after every phone call from me uh, because I beat you up in tears like a little girl oh, so that you 're talking about this uh, this coach k quote
1: uh, it 's not about me right you know especially right now. You know, know, as a coach, I'm just concerned about these guys. I mean, I see, you know, they're already crying on the court. And and, um, I mean, that's the only thing you can think about. And then going into the locker room, you know, I've I've said my entire career or when I knew what the hell I was doing that. uh, I wanted my seasons to end where my team was either crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow because then you knew that they gave everything. And I had a locker room filled with guys who were crying. And it's a beautiful sight. It's not the sight that I would want. I'd want the other. But it's a sight that I really respect and makes me understand just how good this group was. What a weird guy.
3: The Coach K discourse is so busted. Because everybody either loves him or hate him. And then you hear an answer like that. And you're like, oh, he's the best. And then people who hate him are like, what a weirdo. Or when he, he says he's not going to make it about himself. Can you
4: just reflect on your career and what it's meant to I'm you? Not
1: gonna, I'd rather not. I'm not thinking about my career right now.
3: But the whole season kind of was a big retirement tour for Coach K. But I, I, like, I don't know how I feel about all this. I'm not really a Duke hater. I'm not really a Coach K hater. I'm more of a Coach K- I don't care. I don't don't, don't care about college basketball that much. And Mike and Monona texted in earlier. He says, trying to wrap my head around how you can enjoy watching college or watching baseball, but not college basketball. Hey, baseball is America's sport. And it's God's sport, Mike. So you're telling me you don't like God? You don't like America? Wow. Wow, Mike. (laughs) I love baseball. I don't know. It's not that I hate watching college basketball. I loved watching the Badgers this year. But if you... Try to convince me to watch any other teams. That's that's a tough sell for me. I'm sorry. That's a tough sell for me. It sucks, but it is. Now, I'll watch tonight UNC and Kansas. Uh, God, normally I don't do predictions on the show because I'm always wrong. You don't care what I think anyways, but I kind of like UNC. I think it's a great combination when you give an amazing program with great players and a great coach. You give them a low seed. You give them that underdog mentality. You give them a chip on the shoulder. I think that's kind of what we're dealing with with North Carolina. And I kind of think Kansas played their best possible game this weekend against Villanova. I don't know that they can back that up. And if they can, great. Then they earn the title. And they definitely earned tonight's win, if that's the case, for sure. But I I don't know. Kind of like UNC. But I feel like most people like UNC, so maybe I'm just just trying to be like everyone else. Again, I'm not the college basketball expert, nor am I the WWE expert. But I did watch a little bit of WrestleMania this weekend. I got to say, I... I might pick up the habit. I might might try my best. I've tried to get into wrestling before and I just haven't broken through, but sometimes that's the same with musical artists, right? You try to get into somebody, it doesn't work, and then you come back in a year or two and like, actually, this is really great, which is what some of you need to do with Neil Diamond, apparently, uh, because Richie hates Neil. He said his mom played it growing up. That should be all the more reason to love Neil, because your mom loved Neil and listened to Neil. Richie, come on. Let's be be better. Tomorrow, we're going to talk Brewers because opening day is later this week, so we got to talk some baseball, much to the chagrin of... Mike and Monona. Sorry about that, Mike. But we're going to talk baseball previews and brewers tomorrow. Obviously, we'll keep the Neil coming 100% and we'll react to anything that happens in the natty tonight. UNC Kansas. Enjoy the game. I'll be back tomorrow at 4. Talk to you then.